James 5:13 through 20. Are any among you suffering? They should pray. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up, and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being like us, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth yielded its harvest. My brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and is brought back by another, you should know that whoever brings back a sinner from wandering will save the sinner's soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. The word of the Lord. You notice the gentleman next to me. His name is Bob. From the movie, What About Bob? Hey, guys. Hello. <laughs> so... <laughs> I know. Time, no the see, only way right. I can get into church is I have to be on the platform. The poster talk for narcissism. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but Bob and I have been friends for 24, 25 years. And uh, right before I got married, uh, he called me. And he said, you know what? You need to be accountable. You're getting married. And uh, I would like to meet with you. And we met with two other pastors who were simply whacked. <laughs> They were, it was four of us. But uh, Bob and I have built a trust, built a close friendship. His wife calls me your boyfriend. That's right. This is, That's how, right. Close, this is how close we are. And uh, we meet on a weekly to bi-weekly basis for the last 18 years. And it's a safe friendship. It's where we can be open and honest with one another. We've gone through the trials and tribulations with one another, but we care and deeply. And he is a poster child when it comes to no judgment, more love. And I appreciate the friendship. So we're going to kind of do something interesting. We're going to go to, to a sermon view, I call it, a sermon with an interview, an interview with a sermon. And I, he's going to share some of the stuff, and he'll help me when I'm theologically whacked and I'm doing everything wrong. Um, so let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you, Lord, for this worship set. We thank you, Lord, for just being who you are. And we pray, Lord, that we're all in this road of restoration. And we pray, Lord, that whatever's hindering us and removing the joy of our life, we pray, Lord, that you will fill us with your love. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Now, Robin read James chapter 5, and I'm going to focus on James chapter 5 instead of the one about cutting off your foot and cutting off your leg. I, 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 it's going to take me 30 minutes to explain the whole thing. And so no wonder Ryan's going, oh, shoot, how do I follow this one? <laughs> you know, it's almost like a thriller movie, a thriller video, you know, and maimed and, and stuff. But it says this, and... Um, and, and, and when we look at James chapter 5, and I love James because James is the younger half-brother of Jesus. And in James chapter 1, let me look, show you in James chapter 1, 
when he said this. He goes, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whatever, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Amen? <laughs> no, you're right. You're dead silent on that one. And it's interesting, when we look at the word consider, it means making that your number one thought. Your number one focus is pure joy. And you can say, well, I'm going through pure hell right now, let alone pure joy. And then he says this, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. And so this perseverance is such a vital part of our lives. When we go through tribulations, I watched an interview. It's, it's been a year long. It's been a year since the Vegas shootings, and a mother and daughter were were sharing. And the daughter said something really deep and faith and profound to me. She goes, "One day I can't wait to have more good days than I have bad days." And some of us have been there where we can understand, just give me a couple of days that are good. Give me a week that's good. Give me a two weeks. We'll not stretch it, because sometimes we do these New Year's resolutions and put it out for a whole year. And so what is interesting, I go and jump into Romans 12, because Romans is one of my favorite passages. He said, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, which is pleasing, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. He then says, do not conform to the patterns of the world, but he says, but be transformed by the renewing of one's mind. It's a mindset. Before change happens in your life, your mind thinking, the transformation, the restoration, the renewing begins with one's mind. And so when I look at this in James chapter 5, we'll jump over to 5 here, it's just, you look at this, and this to me is a foundational structure to perseverance. Because anything that you accomplish in life demands perseverance. And so he says this, if anyone is in trouble, let him pray. If anyone is happy, let him sing songs of praise. If anyone is sick, let them call on the elders of the church and pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick well and the Lord will rise up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And the prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. And so what James is saying is that God wants to be part of every aspect of your life. Mm. The good, the bad, the ugly. That's why I titled the sermon, The Good, the Bad, the Ugly. So I'm going to interview my buddy Bob about his good, about his bad, and about his ugly. Now, how many of you have had church issues? And I, hopefully I don't give you church issues. We've been hurt by the church and messed up by the church. So we're going to start off with this, getting messed up or hurt by the church. Because, Bob, you used to be the senior pastor where? I used to be the senior pastor at uh, Silmar Free Methodist Church, Light and Life Christian Fellowship in Silmar on the San Fernando Valley. Okay. And you've been, you were there as associate. You worked under two other right. pastors. I started at uh, 1990, summer of 92. Then by about eight years later, I assumed the senior pastor position. Okay, eight years later. So a week prior... 
You went on a mountaintop. Now, this guy, he's in his prayer life. I just pray wherever I pray. This guy goes up in mountains. and You know how you Whoa. see pictures like this? This is a ball Well, bridge. lucky for me, Selmar <laughs> is right next to the hills. That's so. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a long jump from there. <laughs> That's true. And you've prayed over the city. Yes. And you felt the Lord say what? Well, you know, I, I, I really felt called to be in that valley, to, to meet people's needs, to, to be part of his love to the city. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've been there for so long. Okay, 20-some years. 20-some years, yeah. And then a, a couple weeks later, you get a letter. Yes. Uh, well, I don't want to make it sound like it all of a sudden came, but right, it was, right. there was this ongoing issue. But the, the bottom line is that I got this letter that said uh, in a couple of months I needed to move. Okay. And uh, transfer. Transfer. And the thing is, our denomination, what they do, is we are on an appointment system. Correct. And, and so I'm not hired by the church. I'm appointed here by the denomination, yeah. and our appointments last a year. And so every May, you're up for reappointment. Correct. And so, therefore, they, they said, didn't wait till May. They yeah, told they you said, January. we're not going to reappoint you. We need another person there. Okay. Uh, so as of this month, you need to go somewhere else. And see, then I watch this. This is interesting. When you left, this affected your marriage too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, my wife had put a lot of her energy into the that same ministry. We were both together. And so naturally, you know, you get angry. I was angry. Yeah. I was upset. Um, we felt that we were not treated fairly. Okay. Um, and so it was, a, it was a, so much of an issue that my wife and I had had some issues with each other because of that, because she wanted to make it an, an open warfare. <laughs> you know, your wife feels not like your husband. Yeah. Open warfare, you know, we got to fight this out. And, and destroy I, everything around us. Yeah, scorched earth yeah. policy, baby. Yeah. Yeah. But I just, you know, I felt the Lord didn't really want that. Okay. And so we struggled as a couple. So right. it wasn't just the ministry, but even our, with each other. Right. And this is years later, and your wife still struggles with it. Yeah, even, even today, till today, she yeah. still struggles with what the church had done to us. Yeah. And what's fascinating, because I was hired to oversee uh, Light and Life Church, and I hired Bob to speak at the church, and... We both got fired there. We got fired there too. So we got a pattern. Yeah. Going. And then, and then we went to Herman Church, and uh, he took and he preached on Sundays because I was here yeah. on Sundays. We we, 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 got, we teamed up for that. We got yeah. fired there too. And we got fired there too. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the thing is, how does one? And remember the word I can't pronounce. Oh, differentiate. Differentiate. Right. I if I hear different, how does one differentiate? I, I hear it. It's fine. That's why I have an earpiece. My wife is really preaching this sermon. <laughs> and so when I, when I look at this, how do you deal with, okay, I've been hurt by the church, and a lot of people have been hurt by the church say, I never get involved in the church, screw the church, screw everything and all this stuff, and they even stop going to church. How do you, how did you balance this thing out with the church and Jesus? Well, the good thing is we sang a lot of the songs already. So it's those songs. It's what they say. It's who I am in Christ. How real really is the Lord in my life? And so uh, 
it was an incredible time too because I was growing spiritually as a pastor. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like the Lord was preparing me for that. And so when that happened and my wife and I felt really mistreated and just got the raw end of a deal, we also felt the grace and the love of Christ and that presence. And so that was hard because there's a part of us that wants justice, that wants fairness. Mm -hmm. But God basically laid in our hearts, in my heart, that no, that's my job. Right. You just follow me. There's a bigger reason for this. And this is, this is a part of a large, persevere. Right. Yeah. And the, and the thing is, sometimes, you know, and you have to understand, Bob now is a spiritual counselor for uh, a company called The Rose Room which is hospice care. Right. And so his ministry is very deep, very powerful, and he deals with a lot of issues and death on a daily, daily right. basis. And I've noticed, I want to ask you about this, because uh, how many of you, and I don't need hands because it's all of you, <laughs> that have prayed and you don't have an answer? It's an unanswered prayer. And I... I, I, I Go to Bob and I go, I'm frustrated about my mom. Unanswered prayer. I'm frustrated about this tremor getting worse and this learning disability. <laughs> and as a friend, you, you throw these out because you want to be comforted. You know what I mean? You want to say, oh, yeah, you know, life sucks. God hates you and all that stuff. But you said something that cracked me up. Go ahead. Oh, you talk about the tremor? Yeah. I think? Oh, yeah. Perseverance. Um, you know, he always looks, he always mentioned this thing about his tremor, like it's a handicap. You know, uh, he, he feels really bad. And there are days, maybe you know about it, maybe he shared it with you, where he gets sick and tired of it. Where he sometimes wishes that, you know, uh, this would be over. And I, I just don't like it. Why does God keep not take this away from me? You know, and there, I've been laid hands over so many times. So I guess one time we were talking and then I just felt this aha moment when we were sharing and talking, I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. You realize that tremor is, without that tremor, your life would be different. And he said, well, how so? I said, listen, I, you know Ke Pastor Kevin. He's a driven guy. He, 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 light, he, he, he sees vision. He's a visionary. I said, if you didn't have this tremor, Kevin, you wouldn't be pastoring. You wouldn't be in front of this wonderful people. We wouldn't be having this incredible service because you wouldn't be here. You would probably be some high-priced corporate <laughs> executive <laughs> that's running a bunch of Fortune 500 companies and you have this wonderful home in, in Malibu and you've been through five marriages and all your kids <laughs> hate you. And guess what? You're going to be so freaking miserable and then there'll be a news on the news in LA news channels that you were just found dead in your uh, wonderful Malibu home because you <laughs> overdosed in some cocaine or some drug that you've been taking just so you could cope up with your life so guess what man suck it up that tremor is nothing you're yeah. supposed to have that yeah persevere that's, that's what he said about thank you nobody's gonna be praying for my healing anymore but I want to ask you this is, is, is Bob was talking to me, and it was fascinating to me, and he was just saying this out of a conversation, and he says this, you know, I've been at the deathbeds of atheists. I've been at the deathbeds of agnostics. I've been at the deathbeds of Buddhists. 
Muslims, Jewish people. And, and this is what he, it was interesting to me. He goes, you know the ones that struggle the most with death? What did he say? Christians. Isn't that interesting? Now, now I don't want to overgeneralize. Yeah. Um, because, well, um, your experience. But, but because there were a lot of Christians. But one of the things that why God, I'm beginning to see now, hindsight is always perfect. Why, from that heartache, God put me in this wonderful place where I'm surrounded by literally people who don't know Jesus. Um, but I get the chance to walk with a lot of them through their deaths. You know, it's hard when, when the doctors tell you it's over, that you only have six months to a year to live. And families and the person who has that has to deal with that and has to struggle with it. And so I was talking to him about some of the observations I've had, um, generalizations, that I find it that people who are Buddhists or uh, New Ages or uh, uh, into uh, science of mind and meditation, they tend to be, they tend to find peace with this terminal state. Now, I've been where a lot of Christians have done that, but for a lot of it, it's, a, it's more of a struggle for us in our faith because uh, especially the younger you are, you know, it's harder. And I've had to walk with Christian families, not just as a counselor, but as a pastor to kind of get them to find some point of peace. It's not very easy to find peace when they tell you and you're in pain, you're, you're, the cancer has spread through your system and there are moments where you really are this close to just saying, God, I want to die. And so, but we have this culture, and it, it has some merit in Scripture about having faith, about having to believe the possible. And so you claim it, you name it, you claim it, you name it, you claim it. And so that sometimes creates an environment in a lot of churches and a lot of Christian circles where I can't doubt I can't even face and realize that this, is, this might be over. So I can't pray that prayer of peace because that means I'm not trusting God to heal me. You guys have some understanding of this, right? Because we are supposed to have faith. We're supposed to have faith that God can move mountains, right? If you have the faith as small as a mustard seed. And so they struggle with this. And I found that most of the Christians that I had to walk with through this had a harder time finding peace at those last moments. In fact, a few haven't because it was such a thing that I, I can't doubt. And some that do doubt have to struggle with the guilt. Do I feel guilty because I want to die because I can't handle the pain? Uh, or, and so I had to walk them through this, uh, this process and I would tell them, you know what, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for healing. It's not wrong to ask for healing. But there's another kind of prayer we need to pray. And I, I share this with mm -hmm. him. And I said, it's what I call the Gethsemane prayer. Because I said, even Jesus prayed a prayer that never got answered. There are certain prayers that the answers are not what we want. And let's follow Jesus' example. But say, Lord, if it's possible, please let this cup pass from me. But it's not what I wish, but what you want. And that has always been the toughest prayers for us Christians, you know. And so, anyway, that okay. was one of my... No, I'm praying for the will of God. For the will of, the will God, of God. 
uh, yeah, and I've seen it before where I almost got kicked out of the home because some of the church people that would come in and say, that guy is sowing doubt in you. Get him out. You need to only concentrate. And you know, the, the doctor will say, you know, you need to try this medication. You need to, no, he needs to be walking. I think they could barely walk. The cancer has eaten up so much of their bodies. But no, no, we got to have faith. Get off the bed. Let's make him walk. And so it's always one of these things where, okay, listen, you know. It's touch and go. Touch and go. You know, you, you got to have to find the peace in the presence. What does the Lord really tell you? What is he really telling you? Don't drown yourself with slogans and stuff. I, I understand that. But let's have what Jesus played and carry that cross. Yeah. So sometimes what we do is, I don't know if you've had a phone call that changes your life. Have you ever done that? And you hope that phone call would be, hey, you just won $7 million. I go, praise God, hallelujah. Yeah, that would but be great. sometimes you get a phone call that changes your life. Now, in November of last year, Jennifer and I were eating at this fancy restaurant called Costco. <laughs> okay? You can eat, a couple can eat there for 10 bucks. Less than 10 bucks. We Excellent. Were, we were sitting in the car. Really healthy food, by the way. I know, I know. Robin would kill us. But anyway, so we, we, didn't, we didn't tell Robin. And so we were sitting there in November, and on the screen of my car, we were listening to the radio, and it said, Bob Monic Bonic calling. And I, my gut just dropped, because Bob and I do not talk in the evenings, on the weekends, said this weekend, and just during the week. And I told Jennifer, just be quiet. Like, she's going to go, hi, Bob, you know, and stuff like that. But I said, just sit there and be quiet. I didn't do it that way. It sounds like I'm very dominating. Just please, you know, just. So I answered the phone, and I answered it this way. What's wrong? I, I was in a panic. And you told me what? Well, I kind of broke down a bit, and I said, uh, my brother was involved in an accident, and he died. And uh, it was on a Saturday. He, uh, he's an actor, entertainer, musician. I mean, he, he, he was an amazing guy. Had a couple of things coming that he was so excited about. And one afternoon, after playing basketball with his friends, went on his chopper, and he, somebody cut him off at an intersection, and he plowed into it. And he uh, was unconscious. They rushed him to the hospital where he died of his injuries when they tried to revive him. Uh, but because they were rushed him so quickly, they left his, his backpack, his fanny pack that had his mm. identification. So he was, he was a John Doe, John Doe at the hospital. And so it happened Saturday. He was taken to the coroner. It was not until Monday night after they fingerprinted him that they identified him. And my poor parents in Texas, because he, had, he, he was a blessed single guy. He loved what he does as an actor, as a, in movies, TV, commercials, theater, music, that uh, he never had a wife or kids. So my folks in Texas were his next of kin. And so the, the Texas police showed up at the house and broke the news. And from there, it just... So what's interesting, because, you know, as pastors, we come in, we know what to say, 
we're very compassionate when we visit people in the hospital or sick or facing surgery. And like me, when now I'm facing physical stuff, and I go, ooh, this is a whole nother story. Right. And so the loss of your brother, it just slammed you. It did. It, and it is. It is. And the thing is, what's interesting to me, has your faith changed or your theology? Are you distant? Because your wife told, told you that she goes, where are you, Bob? You're, you're distant from me. You know, but let us in your heart. This is the first loss in my life that really hit close to home. I've been around death for the last seven, eight years right. with other people. Uh, part of my work is not only walking with them when they die, but also helping them after when they deal with grief. In fact, I spend most of my time now working with families who are mourning and, in gr and grieving. So I'm kind of anticipating what's going to happen. I know the mechanics of it, but it is completely different when it's you. When, when you're going through it. And so it's a yes and no, Kevin. Okay. Um, my theology, the base and the foundation of it hasn't changed. The thing that we sing about has not waned. But my view and understanding also theologically has also changed. Yeah. Um, different things have changed. Uh, I've learned, for example, the theological power of imagination. I know you guys don't like that word, but from a psychology and from neuro, neuroscience and even from a spiritual standpoint, we can never have faith without imagination. Jesus would have never realized his identity as the Son of God without imagination. Um, and I've learned the power of that because uh, he's gone. And the hardest part about it is the permanence of it, that he's not physically here anymore. I have images of his apartment where his, his cell phone was still there. He was planning on coming home, and he never made it back. And, uh, and then at the same time, you feel his presence, him. Not just in a dream. I dream of him, sure, but... There are days when it would hit me and I'd go, wow, he is with Jesus. This is not the end. Right. And so, anyway, that's... And it's interesting, too, with perseverance requires imagination. Yeah. You see what I mean? So if you, if you persevere, it's almost like you imagine that I'm going to get beyond this. Hebrews is, uh, for me, is the, the Hebrews 11 is my, my, what I call now, theologically, the, the imagination chapter. Right. Because these were people who died, this one, one verse, they died not even seeing, but they did, they saw it. It doesn't happen in, right. in actual, visual, concrete life, but they saw it. Right. Without imagination, our brains have, it separates us from the animals. Right. That's true. We have imagination, yeah. We have imagination. Now, the thing is about, about praising the Lord, even in the midst of it. Yeah. Because you, you, can be find, you can find yeah. moments, and I call it moments of joy, moments of happiness. Yeah. And so using your, somehow he comes up to me and he goes, I just wrote this. And I go, man, he's happy. He was about writing something. 
He goes, I was just, I, I was inspired. I felt my brother's presence and stuff like this. And I, so I wanted you to read it because it's interesting how our imagination through the Holy Spirit, through the movement of God in our lives, that we can have moments of joy and happiness even in the midst of sorrow. Of trials, tribulations. Trials and tribulations. I got it. Go ahead. Um, let me set this up. The chopper that my brother... You want to throw it up there? there? That's him right there. Um, he loves that. He loves to do it. That was one of his favorite pastimes. When he's in that bike, when he's wearing that helmet, he, being an actor, he becomes this persona he likes <laughs> to play. For nine years, he's been doing this. He's vicious Vega. When he's, <laughs> and he has... I've, I've filmed some of his um, motorcycle thing where he'll talk, hey, kids... This is Vicious Vega. Can I tell you about this chopper? <laughs> and he treats that thing like a, it's his friend. And he calls the bike the Black Dragon. And so Vicious Vega and the Black Dragon. And so um, this, is, uh, this actually happened to me. But like I said, faith, experience, joy. And so it's called The Apparition. And his name is Wesley John. That's how he's known in the, in the movie and in the entertainment business. And so it's called The Apparition, A Wesley John Moment. And some of you might know where this happened if you're familiar with the freeways in, um, in, in L.A. Jetting at high speed on the 134 freeway, heading west in my Honda sedan, flying through Pasadena towards Ventura, the sun rushing out front, anticipating one of those typical yet breathtaking L.A. sunsets. Typical Southern California. I'm blowing right by the freeway Figueroa Street on-ramp. A deep sense of grief, swelling. That on-ramp was where he was heading. Getting to Figueroa, then onto that 134 West freeway on-ramp. Probably going home to L.A with the sun in his eyes, just like now. He never made it home that day last year. Never made it to Figueroa or the 134 West. Him, Vicious Vega, and his beloved custom-made chopper, the Black Dragon. Both of them, their great run ending at an intersection a quarter mile from Figueroa, never making it home. Well, heard it, revving from behind me, that familiar thundering roar of a custom-made chopper at blinding top speed. Like a blur, he zipped right beside me on the 134 freeway, his unbuttoned checkered shirt flapping aggressively in the high winds. Vicious Vega and the Black Dragon. I watched the setting sunlight engulf him as we raced westward, side by side on the freeway. Then he turned towards me. For that brief moment, he smiled and gestured his trademark peace sign and accelerated away, roaring and thundering down the 134 west, melting into the blinding sunset before me, the ghost rider. A deep sense of peace swelling. He did make it home that day last year. And this is a, a closing quote. It's a fearful thing 
to love what death can touch. Thank you. You can clap if you like. How do we wind this down? We talked about the joy. We talked about going in trouble. Pray. We talked about when we're happy, give praises uh, and sing hymns. We talked about needing healing as the elders of the church to pray and anoint him with oil. So I, he doesn't know this. Close it out. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> well, uh, one thing I love about this church family is the openness you guys have with each other, even from the pastor down. This is very rare. Um, we are all on this journey and I don't know where you are right now in your life. It might not be a death. It might be a marriage. It might be a family issue. It may be a work thing that you're terribly struggling with. There might be something that we've been praying for, like a tremor that won't stop. Or a challenge in your life that you've been fighting for years. And you're trying to find a handle on it. I think t today, before we dismiss ourselves... We have an opportunity as a community to gather around one another, to celebrate uh, the partaking of the bread, to pray. And I guess, um, I don't know how you're gonna make this work, but if we want to support one another in prayer, I think we should try to do that. If we want to be ourselves and say, I'm hurting. I think you can't leave this place without your brother. It says right there, if you're happy, we worship. If you're in trouble, you ask the elders or your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to pray with you. And if there's something to confess, there's something to confess. Right. This is the prayer of a fervent, righteous person is powerful and effective. So my challenge to all of us is, as honest as we are, Let's not leave this place knowing there is a place that we can find this incredible umph of his presence that will help us to the rest of the day, rest of the week, for the rest of our lives.